Isaiah 1 and 2. Hear, O heavens, give ear, O earth, the Lord has spoken. I've nourished and brought up children, and they've rebelled against me. The ox knows his owner, the ass his master's crib. Israel does not know. My people does not consider. Doesn't consider what? Who their God is, who their Lord is. You should show humility and submission and obedience to the one who made you and gives you your every breath and sustains you every millisecond, who created the planet you're standing on and the air that you breathe. Shouldn't you? He said, I, I, read verse 1 again, verse 2 rather, I've nourished and brought up children and they've rebelled against me. In verse 19 of the same chapter, verse 19, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. NIV says, you'll eat the best from the land. Easy to read says, you'll get the good things from the land. The Living Bible says, I'll make you rich. Now, what's connected to this? Willingness, which is about the heart. Obedience, which is also about faith. In fact, the New Testament uses the phrase, the obedience of faith. And being a Christian is referred to as being obedient to the faith. If you're willing and obedient, how many believe this scripture is right and true? Well, what if you're not enjoying the good of the land? Would it be a good place to check up? Am, am I willing? Have I been obedient? We're not talking about being obedient enough that it makes you righteous or that it saves you. No. That's been taken care of by the master. But faith is obedient. And a heart makes all the difference, whether you're willing or unwilling. In the 20th verse, in the 20th verse, he says, if you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Now, these are two very different outcomes, aren't they? Willing and obedient, eat the good of the land. Refusing, defying, not obeying, not being willing, rebelling, you'll be devoured. Devoured. You'll eat the good of the land, willing and obedient, you'll be eaten. <laughs> you see a play on the words? Somebody said it's eat or be eaten. Well... Yeah. You want to eat the good of the land? Or you want to be devoured? Now this brings up language that you see in the New Testament. Go to James, uh, excuse me, 1 Peter for time's sake. 1 Peter, the 5th chapter. And the 5th verse. 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves to the elder... Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. 
Is this New Testament? Is this for us? Is it important that we be submissive and humble? Now these words are rejected and ignored by many in the church today. They see the idea of being submissive as, as some kind of archaic thing that we got free from. It's quiet. Hmm? And some people see submission as an error that happened back in the 70s. But we're reading scriptures. How are we to understand this? How are we to apply this? Jesus said, come learn about me. I am meek and lowly of heart. Arrogance and pride is devilish. Being defiant and rebellious is as unlike Jesus as you can be. And yet it is heralded in our society as being a good, strong, independent individual. <laughs> I'm nobody's doormat. <laughs> well, the Bible teaches submission. That word just bothers folks when they hear it, doesn't it? Submission. Submit. How you flesh like that word? I know it doesn't like it. No, it doesn't. Why not just do what you're told? How'd you flesh like that? Your flesh goes, mm, do what I'm told. I'm an American. I'm free. Nobody do what I'm told. Ever how you are with men is just the way you are. It's the way you are with God. Submission to God is shown in three primary ways. Submission to God, obedience to God, willingness to God. It is shown in submission and obedience to His Word, His written Word. If you're not submissive to the written Word of God, you're not submissive to God. It is shown, number two, in submission to His Holy Spirit. Not only does He speak to you through His Word, the Holy Spirit is the author of this book, but He speaks to you, He's inside you 24-7. He will speak to you and direct you about details of life that you won't find in the Scripture for you personally. If you don't submit to the Spirit's direction inside you, you're not submitting to God. And thirdly, submission to God includes submission to people that He has placed over you. That's right. And that's not even taught in much of the church nowadays. Hmm? How about a scripture or two on that? New Testament scriptures. What do, you, what do you think? Everybody excited? Yes. Now, did you remember our text? 
If you be what? Willing and obedient. What are we talking about? Do you want to eat the good of the land? Do you want it to go well with you? We, we usually read Ephesians where he said if you'll, if you'll show honor and if you'll show obedience, it'll go well with you. And you'll live long on the face of the earth. New Testament. Ephesians. How many like the sound of eating the good of the land? Oh, yeah. Living in the good, wearing the good, driving the good, eating the good, it going well with you. Day after day, year after year, you live so long, even old people call you old. Does it sound good to you or not? This doesn't happen for the proud or the rebellious or the disobedient. You forfeit these things if you're proud and defiant and disobedient. I don't want you to forfeit these things. I don't want to forfeit these things. Phyllis and I care about you. We want to see you do good. We want to see you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. We want to see you eat the good, wear the good, drive the good. I like to see you outdo me. I'm serious. I'd like to see you drive better than I do, wear better. I'd like to see it. I'd like for you to challenge me. I'd like to see you in the congregation and go, I got to come up. Look at that. I got to, I, I, I like to pull in the parking lot and see all these new cars out there and go, I got to, I got to trade. I got to come up. I'm not setting a high enough standard. Huh? I'd like to hear about your houses and your lands and your boats, motorbikes and your airplanes and your airplanes. I'd like to hear about them. And the testimonies, I'd like to be sitting over there and go, whoo, that's our people in our church. I got to come up. I've got to, I need to come up. You will not get there with an attitude. You will not get there with a rebellious attitude. It can even cut your life short. That's why we're talking about this. Not to crimp your style. Not to annoy you with words that are politically incorrect. It's not what this is about. It's not what this is about. <laughs> Said out loud, I want to eat the good of the land. I want it to go well with me. I want to live a long time. What needs to happen? Willingness. Obedience, submission, honor and respect, things the world doesn't know anything about, things a lot of church folks have forgotten about. But the Lord's helping us. I said, He's helping us. He's helping us. Tell me how you submit to and obey the Lord. I gave you three things, three main ways. Help me. Submit to and obey the Word. Submit to and obey the Holy Spirit. In you. What else? Submit to and obey people. And that's where it gets interesting. Right? Now, so what do you mean people that's over me? Well, I, I thought you might ask that. So 1 Thessalonians. Is 1 Thessalonians in the New Testament? 5.12. Follow me with these, please. 
Go through the scriptures with me. Make sure you let your eyes rest on these. He said, I beseech you, brethren, know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Are there those who are over you in the Lord? Who are they? Can you name them? I'm not saying it, do it out loud right now, but can you name them? If you can't name them, there's an issue. In Hebrews 13, 7, Hebrews 13, 7, also New Testament, remember them, which what? Have the rule over you, who've spoken to you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Now here's two things you'll see about people that God has put over you. They are speaking to you the word of God. And they have faith. And they're leading by faith. In the, uh, and then he says, verse 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. Verse 17, Hebrews 13, 17, obey them which have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Now you can't get much more politically incorrect than that. Everybody say, obey them. That have the rule over you, and submit yourselves. Why? Not so they can play big shot. They're watching out for your souls, and they're gonna to have to give an account of how they've led you, hmm? what they've taught you, and what they've done. And they don't want to do it with grief. They want to do it with joy, because it'd be unprofitable for you if they couldn't or didn't. Finally, in verse 24, he said it again, salute them that have the rule over you and all the saints. They of Italy salute you. There are those who have the rule over. Phyllis and I are aware of people in the body of Christ who are our elders and who are over us in the Lord. The primary ones was Brother Kenneth Hagin Sr. and his wife, Miss Aretha. We served with them 20 plus years. They're both in heaven now. But uh, by the grace of God, I'm not claiming we did everything perfect, but when they told us stuff, we listened. And we made changes. And even if we had plans, we changed our plans. We did this for decades. And uh, they're human beings. They could make a mistake. But the Lord didn't say, analyze what they're doing and see if you think they're worthy for you to submit to. And the Bible said, honor your mother and father. It didn't say if you think they're living up to the code you think they ought to be, to be respected. You may not be able to respect everything a person over you says and does. They're human like you are. But you must respect the place Amen. over you or elsewise you disrespect God who placed them over you. Can you see it? Amen. Without going there, James 4, 6, and 7 goes with it. It says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Say it out loud. Submit yourselves to God. Submit yourselves to God. Now, I gave you three main ways how you do that, right? Submit yourselves to God. You do that primarily submitting and obeying His written word, His Holy Spirit, the people that He's put over you. And if you'll do that, then you're in a position to resist the devil. And he'll, he has to leave. 
Now, uh, in 1 Peter 5, 5, he's talking about the same thing. You younger do what? Amen. Do what? Amen. Uh, now, read the next two words. You younger do what? Amen. Submit yourselves. Now, here is what many have not understood. Submission in the kingdom of God is self-initiated. It is not something that leaders make you do. That's what many have not understood. They thought, well, if they want me to do something, you know, they can come tell me or this or that. That's not how it works. You must submit yourself. And if you don't do it, it won't be done. And good leaders in God will, not, will never try to make you do anything. They will lead. And if you don't follow, then you don't follow. And it'll cost you. But God's not going to make you do anything. And good leaders won't try to make you do anything. Doesn't mean they have to let you do just anything you want to do either, though. You can do it somewhere else. <laughs> We're having fun now, aren't we? <laughs> but it's not about somebody making you submit. That terminology is contrary to the scripture. Who submits you? You submit yourself. And if you don't do it, it won't be done. I know an example of that, Phyllis and I, like I said, we served with the, uh, the Hagans, Brother Kenneth Hagan Sr. and his wife, Miss Aretha. They're both in heaven now. Looking forward to seeing them again. Uh, we served with them for, what was it, 16 years or something, and then felt impressed to resign from the school there and do more going out and having meetings of our own. And I talked to him about it, and, and he was fine with it, and and they released us from the school. And, and I thought, like most people did, well, we'd just, you know, we might see each other and be friends and be respectful, but our days of helping them, like we had been, had passed. Well, we weren't out doing these things for a year or so, and in a time of prayer, out in another state doing a meeting, the Lord quickened me. He said, I didn't release you from helping them. I thought, wow. I did get it right, that I was supposed to resign and leave, but see, I assumed, and you got to watch about assuming, that that meant we wouldn't, he said, I didn't release you from helping them. We prayed about it some more. I talked to Phyllis about it. We knew we need to, uh, we need to make this right. We found out where they were. They were actually, they were in Florida. We were a thousand miles away. We traveled at our own expense, and we came to the meeting, and we asked them, could we, could we talk to you after the meeting sometime? And after a few days, they, they gave, us a, gave, gave us a time, and, and we came and said, uh, we feel like the Lord didn't release us from helping you. We know you got plenty of help, got a lot of staff, but can we help you? Is there something we can do? We're making ourselves available. And if you don't want it, you don't need it, we understand but we're going to be available, and tomorrow we're going to be available, and next week we're going to be available. Who's making us do that? That's not something they approached us and asked us. We are 
submitting ourselves. Come on, can you see this? And they, they said, well, we'll pray about it. And sure enough, they started letting us help them in some other areas. And we helped them for another five or six years, uh, right up close until when they went home to be with the Lord. And it was some of the richest times we'd ever had. But if we hadn't uh, gone to them and made ourselves available, if we'd have waited and said, well, if they want us to do something, they'll track us down, find us and tell us. That's not you submitting yourself. Oh, can you see this, friends? The way, this doesn't work of waiting on somebody to make you do something. You said out loud, I, I submit, myself. submit myself. That's how you do it with the Lord. That's how you do it to His Word. That's how you do it with His Spirit. That's how you do it with His people. Same thing. And in 1 Peter 5, are you there? Younger, do what? Submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you. Be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. We ought to be sweet and nice with everybody. And kind, easy to get along with. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves. Who's going to humble you? See, all kind of stuff's been taught. Better watch out, God will humble you. No, you humble yourself. You submit yourself. And if you don't do it, it won't be done. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may what? This is not going to demean you. This is not going to make you nothing. This is how God's going to promote you. Hallelujah. In God's kingdom, the way up is down. <laughs> you know, in the world, the more aggressive you are, the more you self-promote, the more you put yourself forward and take that's the world's way, but not in God's way. Then God's kingdom, the more you humble yourself and submit and obey, the more he exalts you and promotes you. Oh, somebody say, that's what I want. God's promotion. Thank you, Lord. That's something nobody can take away from you. Thanks be to God. He said... Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Uh, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Keep reading. Be sober. All this goes together. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. There is a devil, he is your enemy. He's opposed against you. You'll never be able to make a deal with him. You'll never be able to get anything good out of him. He wants you and me and every child of God destroyed. Amen. Obviously, he can't just do it or he would have already done it. Amen. What's holding him back? What's preventing him? Well, there are some he may devour. If there's some he may, what does that imply also? There's obviously some he may not. He cannot. He wants to, but he can't. What determines who he's able to devour and who he's not? Well, look at the previous verses. He's talking about submission. He's talking about humility. He's, not talk, he's talking about not being proud. Can you see this? Yet how the enemy is able to devour... He tempts you 
to do what he did that caused him to get judged. And he knows if you'll do it, if you'll do what he did in rebellion and defiance and disobedience, you'll get judged like he did. Can you see this? 1 Timothy 3.6, put it up on the screen for us, please. 1 Timothy 3.6, and this is the complete Jewish Bible, if we can find that, the CJB. Back up to verse 5. Talks about leaders must not be, uh, well, go, go to verse 6 then. He must not be a new believer. Leaders should not be new believers. Because he might become puffed up with pride and fall under what? The same judgment as the adversary. The enemy knows what got him judged and what's bringing him down. So he knows if he can get you to be like him and do what he did, it'll get judgment against you and destruction can find access to you. Read that scripture again in 1 Peter 5, 8. 1 Peter 5, 8. What do you say? Read it out loud for me. Be sober, be, sober, be vigilant. vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he what? Now listen to our text. All the word of God goes together. If you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. If you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured. Oh, did you hear that? If you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured. Now the word here in the Greek for devour means to swallow up, to gulp down and swallow up. I, I told Phyllis, I, I believe I experienced some of the father's heart yesterday. Uh, I was made aware of some people who were in need. And man, my heart just went out to them. I thought, Lord, they shouldn't be living like that. They shouldn't have to live like that. I want to help. What, what can I do? I'm searching my heart. What can I do? Well, if I do this, yeah, but that ain't going to fix it could do that, yeah, but that won't fix it either. I could do that. And I wasn't even thinking about this message or anything. And the Lord, the Father, I don't mean I heard any voice or any words. And just in a moment I knew and I sensed his heart. I'll try to put it in my own words. It was like the Father was letting me know, I want to help him more than you do. And I sensed his heart and I thought, wow. How strong it is that he wants to help. But, and I'm putting this on, in my own words, just what I experienced. I can't because they've rebelled against me. He could fix their situation faster than you could blink your eye. But he can't because they've rejected him. They re they've rebelled against him. It's awful what people are going through, what people are experiencing, the pain that they're experiencing. What's happening? They're being consumed. 
They're, can you see this? They're being devoured. Well, why is the enemy able to get to them? Disobedience, disrespect, distrust allows you to be devoured. That's why we're talking about this. We want to close the door. We want to stop it. Who gets the grace? The humble. With enough grace, the enemy can't touch you. Is that right? He can't touch you. You're walking and doing what the Lord tells you to do. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. You become one of those the enemy may not devour. He cannot consume you. He cannot swallow you up and destroy you. He can't. Oh, but friend, you defy the word of God. You rebel against his spirit. You ignore those he's put over you. You may seem like you're doing okay for a few days or a few years, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit you. It's going to bite you. And if you don't judge yourself, you'll get judged. And destruction will come into your life, and it won't be God's will. And you try to blame other people, but it won't be their fault either. Oh, but even if you're in the middle of some of that, you can repent right now. I said you can repent right now, and grace will flood into your life, and it can stop. And healing can come. And restoration can come. Do you believe it, saints? But you've got to make up your mind. I am not given place to being like the enemy. I'm not going to be rebellious. I'm not going to be disobedient. Now please go to number 16. I think we're ready for it now. I'm getting stirred up. I'm getting stirred up. I really like that idea about you spurring me upward. I like that a lot. Come on, somebody needs to like it besides me. Huh? I like it. I like it. I want to come in and see you dressed. I want to see some big rings and watches. I want I want to see some I want to see some Rolls Royces and Bentleys out in the parking lot. Ferraris. Why not? Why not? Nobody said you had to keep it the rest of your life. If you wanted to sell it and sow it into the mission, I, I don't care. But just have one to show how good God is. I want to hear testimonies about your house. Huh? And your all expense paid European vacation. Or your month paid vacation down to Fiji or wherever it was. Yeah. Glory. Now if you sit up here and go, oh, that's crazy. Well, for you, I guess it is. You're not going to be bothered with it. But if you'll brighten up and go, yeah, yeah, is God that big? Is God that good? Could he do it for you? Yes. Somebody say, I believe it. I believe it. I receive it. I receive it. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Glory. Number 16, are you there? Read this in the Amplified in the first verse. I want to read a few verses. In the Amplified. Korah, son of Ishar, son of Kohath, the son of Levi, Dathan, Abiram, sons of Eliab, On, son of Peleth, 
sons of Reuben took men. We're going to read several verses, so let's just keep going. They rose up before Moses, certain of the Israelites, 250 princes or leaders of the congregation called to the assembly, men well known and of distinction. Now this is a group of hundreds of people, well known people and leaders. And they gathered together against Moses and Aaron. And they said to them, and this is what the Hebrew literally said, enough of you. In other words, we are fed up with you, Moses and Aaron. You take too much on yourself, seeing that all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord's among them, why do you lift yourselves up above the assembly of the Lord? What is this? The Bible called this, this is held up as a definitive example of rebellion throughout the Word of God. Korah and Dathan and Abiram, their names are synonymous with rebellion. What's wrong? Back up to verse 3. What's wrong with these statements? What's wrong with their thinking? Notice the, why did you lift yourselves up above the assembly of the Lord? Did they lift themselves up to that position? Did they choose themselves? No. Moses didn't even want to do this. Is that right? Man, the Lord really had to get a hold of him to even get him to do it. Who put them over them? The Lord. God did. Now, here you get an example. Men have historically and repeatedly rejected God's choice. Whoever God picked wasn't good enough for him. All the way up through Jesus himself. He came to his own. And what did they do? They said, no, we don't want him. See, the idea is, well, if we had the right kind of people, we'd submit to him and follow him. But it's a lie. It wouldn't matter who they had. <laughs> you can't get any better than God's choice. Right? But they said, we're fed up with you. And, and, and notice, they, they knew this wasn't right, but they justified it by saying, all the congregation is holy. We know God too. We hear from God too. Have you ever heard that? It is the voice of rebellion. You, you should hear from God. It doesn't mean you're anointed to be the leader. And it's that a, it doesn't mean that the person that's over you is even smarter than you are. But that anointing and God choosing them qualifies you. If you had that, you could do as well or, or better than them. But if you don't have that, I don't care what else you've got, you can't do that job without that call, without that anointing. And there's reasons why God chooses whom he chooses. People that look on the outward appearance and say, man, I think God made a bad choice. But that's because they're looking on the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. Moses, the Bible said, was the most humble man on the earth, the meekest man in all the earth in his generation. You see it. And that's one of the big reasons why God picked him instead of these guys. 
Verse 4. Moses heard it. What did he do? Why? He knows they're, they're in trouble. Verse 5. He said to Korah and all his company, In the morning the Lord will show who are his and who's holy. And cause him to come near to him, him who he has chosen will he cause to come near to him. Do this. Take censers, Korah, and all your company. Now these are hundreds of men. Put fire in them and put incense upon them before the Lord tomorrow. And the man whom the Lord chooses shall be holy. You take too much upon yourselves, you sons of Levi. You telling me I, I took too much on me? You, you the one who stepped out of bounds here. Now, back prior to this, everybody knew that Aaron's sons had offered fire and incense when they weren't supposed to. Back in Leviticus, the 10th chapter, and the first and second verses, don't turn there, but Nadab and Abihu, they took censers and put fire and incense and offered strange fire, which he commanded them not. And fire came out and devoured them. It did what to them? Devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Why? The, the Lord did not tell them to do that. They were trying to cash in on the fire falling. The glory of God fell down. The fire came out of the sky and consumed the sacrifices and offerings. And man, the people were just amazed. They were just, I mean, the, the awe flooded through the congregation. And when it was done, Nadab and Abihu went and got their censers and came out and got them some fire and stood up in front of the people. Why? Why? God didn't tell them to do this. See, they're trying to get some of the glory of this moment. Can you see? And, and we're the fire priests. Well, they were the fire priests, all right. They got burnt to a crisp. <laughs> and now, Korah and Dathan and Byram are saying, look, we're just as good as you are. We are from God too. And he said, okay, we'll let God show. You go get you some censers. Put you some fire. Now, how many understand, when you hear that, what you, everybody has said, oh, no, no, don't do that. <laughs> oh, man, you remember <laughs> You remember Nadab and Abihu? Huh? You remember them? No, no, don't do that. But it's amazing how when you start yielding to rebellion, how stupid you get. Should have been obvious. Man, you got to be crazy to go get a censer and, and come and offer fire before the Lord and you're not a priest and the Lord didn't tell you to do it. But they did it anyway. Korah, Moses said to Korah, listen, I pray you, you sons of Levi, I pray you is, is a asking, a request. Does it seem a small thing to you? The God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring near to himself to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord, to stand before the congregation to minister to them. They were Levites. They weren't priests, but they're, they're in what we would call the helps ministry. They got to set up and tear down and handle the things of God. He said, do you think that's nothing? That's too small? He, he brought you near to him, all your brethren, the sons of Levi. You're seeking the priesthood also? 
That's not good enough for you. You and all your congregation, company, are gathered together against the Lord. See, he's telling them, look, what you're doing is not just against us. It's against him. Now, they didn't believe that. He said, what's Aaron that you're talking bad about him? And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and they said, we will not come up. Is it a small thing? You have brought us up out you brought us up out of the land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness. You must make a prince over, make yourself a prince over us. You've not brought us into the land that flows with milk and honey. You've not given us uh, inheritance of fields and vineyards. You're going to bore out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. This is devilish. Can you see? This is the nature of the devil. That's what the devil said at one point. I'm not going to serve God. I'm going to be the most high myself. I will exalt my... Can you see this? That's his nature. And he's breathed it into the most of the world. The spirit of disobedience is all over the world. And here are these guys, not just just two or three, leaders, (laughs) 250 of them, well-known people. Respected people, friend, beware of being caught up in the rebellion of others. It may seem like a good case that they're making, but when it's defiance and when it's rebellion, God's not in it. What was Moses doing? He tried to have a private meeting. He wants to get this solved. Is that right? He's thinking about them. He said, Come see me. He's the leader. He talks to God face to face. He sees the similitude of the Almighty. And they say, no, we're not coming. Moses was very angry. He said to the Lord, don't respect their offering. I've not taken one donkey from them. I hadn't heard of one of them. Moses said to Korah, all right, you and your company, be before the Lord tomorrow, you and they and Aaron. Let every man take his censer and put incense upon it and bring it before the Lord. Every man his censer, 250 censers. You and Aaron, each his censer. And everybody said, no, don't do it, don't do it. Don't. You've got to be crazy. Keep going. They took every man his censer. They put fire in them. They laid incense on it. They stood at the entrance of the tent of meeting with Moses and Aaron. Korah assembled all the congregation against Moses and Aaron before the entrance of the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the congregation. It is time to repent. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Separate yourselves from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces. Let me just stop right here. God's creation has repeatedly rebelled against him. The angels, humanity, who knows what else. It's something he hates. It's something that has caused the destruction and pain. I mean, think about it. All of the pain, all of the tragedy, all of the heartache in this earth is because of disobedience. Isn't that what happened with Adam and Eve? And has that happened since then? 
How can you deny it? It's all because of this junk. They fell on their faces. They said, oh God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin and will you be angry with all the congregation? And the Lord said to Moses, say to the congregation, get away from around the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Moses rose up and went out to Dathan and Abiram and the elders of Israel followed him. He said to the congregation, depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men. Touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. So they got away from around the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Dathan and Abiram came out and stood in the door of their tents with their wives, their sons, and their little ones. Friends, when people are talking against things they shouldn't be talking about, when people are being rebellious and defiant, and finding fault, and accusing, and judging. You want to get away from their stuff for for two big reasons, lest you be infected with it yourself, and get deceived, and join in, and also lest the devourer is able to get to you because of your too close association with this. And Moses said, by this you'll know the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I do not act of my own accord. He really was a man of God. God chose him. He's saying what the Lord told him to say. He's doing what the Lord told him to do. And yet, they find fault with that. They're not happy with that. They see Moses as arrogant. They see him as putting himself, lording it over the people. He said, if these men die the common death of all men, and if only what happens to everyone happens to them, then the Lord has not sent me. That's bold. He said, if they die ordinary deaths, the Lord didn't send me. But if the Lord causes a new thing to happen, and the earth opens its mouth and does what? Does what? We we should not neglect our Old Testament because it is full of perfect pictures of redemption and how things work. There's no coincidence that the same word is used in Isaiah and in here and in 1 Peter What happened to those that yielded to rebellion and wouldn't repent? They got devoured. They got swallowed up. The earth opened its mouth, swallowed them up and all that belongs to them and they go down alive into show. Then you'll understand these men have provoked the Lord. They have despised him. They thought they were just despising Moses and Aaron. As soon as he stopped speaking, the ground under the offenders split apart. The earth opened its mouth and did what? Swallowed them and their households and Korah and all his men and all their possessions. They and all that belonged to them went down alive into Sheol, the place of the dead. Now that's an amazing thing. The dead were in the heart of the earth. They went down alive to there. And the earth closed upon them and they perished from among the assembly. And all Israel who were round about them fled at their cry, and they said, lest the earth swallow us up also. 
fire came forth from the Lord and devoured the 250 men who offered the incense. Exactly what happened to the other guys. Everybody should have seen this coming. And the Lord said to Moses, speak to Eleazar and Aaron. Take the censers. They're hallowed. He told them to beat them into shields. Verse uh, 38. Let me continue. And put them on the altar. Let them be a sign of warning. Verse 39. He took the bronze censers and he did that. Verse 40. Let it be a warning forever. Verse 41. On the morrow, all the congregation of the Israelites were repenting and sending apologies to Moses and Aaron. No. 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 What? They murmured against Moses and Aaron and said, You have killed the people of the Lord. Mm. There is no sanity in rebellion. It makes you stupid. Really, should they have seen some of these things like the nose on their face? And yet they didn't. The congregation was gathered against Moses and Aaron, just like these other guys. They looked at the tent of meeting. The cloud covered it, and they saw the Lord's glory. Moses and Aaron came to the front of the tent of meeting. The Lord said to Moses, get away from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. It's not over. And Moses and Aaron fell on their faces. And Moses told Aaron, take a censer. Now see, he's the only one that can. Put fire in it. Put incense on it. Go quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. For there's wrath going out from the Lord. The plague has begun. They're being devoured. They're being consumed. Aaron took the burning censer as Moses commanded. He ran to the midst of the congregation and behold the plague was begun among the people and he put on the incense and he made an atonement for the people. This is, you hear these words? This is a type. Who is Aaron? He's a high priest. Oh, is everybody listening? And he stood between the dead and the living and the plague was stayed. Oh, hallelujah. Hear what I'm saying. Don't neglect your Old Testament. It's full of beautiful, perfect pictures of redemption. Oh, our great high priest, who alone had the purity and the right to come before the throne, he was hung on the cross. And he stands today between the living and between the dead. Oh, hallelujah. And all that will humble themselves and believe on him will be saved and healed. They were healed physically. I said they were healed physically. If healing's in the type, healing's got to be in redemption itself. Or the type would be misrepresented. Those that died in the plague were 14,700. Beside those that died in the matter of Korah, thousands of people died in this rebellion. Aaron returned to Moses, the door of the tent, since the plague was stayed. Now let's keep going. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and get from them rods or staves, one from each father's house, all the leaders, according to their fathers, twelve rods. Write every man's name on his rod. And you'll write Aaron's name on the rod of Levi. For there shall be one rod for the head of each father's house. You'll lay them up in the tent of meeting before the testimony where I meet with you. And the rod of the man whom I choose shall bud 
I'll make to cease from me the murmurings of the Israelites which they murmur against you. See, this is still not settled. They're still saying, who are you? Who put you in charge? And finally God said, I'm going to silence this once and for all. Do this. Every tribe, bring, bring your rod. And so they did. And uh, according to the Father's house, rod of Aaron was among their rods. Keep going. Moses deposited the rods before the Lord in the tent of the testimony. And the next day Moses went into the tent of the testimony, and behold, the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi had sprouted and brought forth buds and produced blossoms and yielded ripe almonds. It's got nothing on top of it. It's got nothing on the bottom of it. It was a dry stick. The night, this is a miracle. And Moses brought out all the rods before the Lord to all the Israelites, and they looked, each man to his rod. He said, we're going to see who the Lord has chosen. Hmm? Tribe of this one, nothing. Tribe of this one, nothing. It wasn't you. Tribe of this one, nothing. Dry stick, dry stick. One rod. And he said, put that rod before the testimony in the ark to be kept as a sign for the rebels. And you make an end of their murmurings against me, lest they die. So Moses did so as the Lord commanded him. So he did. Friends, the enemy seeks to devour all he can. He wants to swallow you up. He wants to consume you. You, your stuff, your family, your things. And what protects you and me from being consumed like any other is the grace of our good God. But the proud and defiant don't get his grace. New Testament, James, 1 Peter, other places says the proud get resisted. But the humble get the grace. And in his grace we are safe. Friend, let's not let ourselves be conformed to this rebellious, disobedient world. We're in this world. We're not supposed to be like it. We're supposed to be different. Like our master. Humble. Submissive. Let pe people mock you. Let them say what they want to say. You'll be happy being blessed. Eating the good of the land. Living decade after decade. Things going well with you. Hmm? Oh, people, people have had their say and they have had their way and oh, what it cost them. Oh, what it cost them. It cost them too much. And no matter what kind of mistakes you've made, man, if you'll humble yourself before the Lord. How many of there are times you need to put your nose in the carpet? You need to humble you. You need to bow yourself before him. And you need to admit your mistakes. And you need to say, Lord, I'm willing. Did anybody hear that word? I'm willing. Amen. I'm willing. And then when he shows you and you're clear about what to do, don't just let it be talk. Be obedient. Follow through. Do what he said do. And if you'll do that, Man, there will be a hedge round about you. There will be protection over you and under you and in front of you and behind you. 
and the 91st Psalm will come to pass. In your life, the plague won't get you. The arrow won't get you. Come on, are you listening? And he will deliver you and he will satisfy you with long life. And you'll be a bright witness for him. Can you say amen? Stand on your feet, everybody.